Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So tonight, um, it's going to be one of the most um, interactive sessions. So I'm going to um, ensure that we all contribute. Um, I have a lot of friends, so if they're not contributing, I'll call them up one by one. I'll start, from, I'll start with my wife, and then I'll call every other friend that I have. So it might be you. Um, I'm trying to power up my system here. You know, something is amazing that I think about all the time, and I'm sure we've heard it before. Now, this device I'm using is, um, uh, is a laptop, and also you can turn it into, a, into a, um, a tablet. But I'm the only person on the surface of Earth that can power it on with my eyes. No other person, not even my kids. Now, somebody will come and say there's no God. Tell your neighbor, you are not a photocopy. You are an original. You know, God created so many billions of original. So you are an original. So there's God. I mean, it cannot be anything else. You know, that's just amazing. So tonight, um, we're looking at what we call commitment above conflicts. Um, and we're going to start with definitions. So please, are the mics around? Do we have the mics? Okay, I want people to tell me, um, anybody that wants to go, when you hear the word commitment, what comes to your mind when you hear the word commitment? Anybody? Okay, there's somebody here, please. Anybody else? When you hear commitment, what comes to your mind? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. When I hear commitment, what comes into my mind is uh, to be, commitment is to be serious to be serious on or diligent to particular law or command given to you. Diligent to be serious. Anybody else? Come on, people. Okay, somebody there. Commitment. When we hear the word commitment, you know, when I'm committed, what does it mean? What do you understand that to be? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Two things come to mind. The first is dedication. Is what? Dedication. Delegation, okay. Dedication. When you're dedicated to yeah, something. You're, delegated, you're, you're committing something yes. to somebody else. Awesome. The second thing is heart. Heart. So something that your heart is in. Yes. So you're fully into you it. Are, exactly. Fantastic. I like those definitions. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. There's Pastor Dickie right here. So we've had commitment. You know, our heart is into it. We're fully into it. Praise Lord. Hallelujah. So Mount Layman's um, definition is Come the again. will. The will to follow through. Will to follow through. Ability to pursue to the end. Yeah, I'm into it and I'm going to get it to the end. You know, so, so many definitions. So if we move on quickly, if we go into, um, can you pull up what I, what I put in? I mean, these, these definitions are, they are, I mean, they are not exclusive. There's so many of them. So, why Samuel put up what I put in as um, commitment? 
conflict, when you hear the word, so it says promise, pledge, vow, obligation, word, I give you my assurance, you know, a binder, we're, 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 we're bind together, we're committed together, we're into it together. So if you go to the next one, the word conflict, when you hear, when somebody says there's a conflict, what, what comes to mind? Please, I just, I mean, we all need to be part of this. Conflicts. Somebody there, please. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's all about disagreements. Disagreements. Good point. Disagreement. When we're conflict, we don't agree. Conflicts. Anybody else? Anybody else? Our time is running out. I'm going to call my friends now. <laughs> if anybody's not talking. Conflicts. When you hear conflict. There's another person here, please. Conflicts. Chaos comes to Chaos. Me. Yes, chaos. War. Disagreement. We don't agree. You know, things are not going on well. I put some definitions on, but they're not, they not exclusive. So what we're looking at tonight is we have commitments, all of us here. We have committed to follow Jesus. When we give our life to Jesus, that's a commitment that we have made to follow Christ. And there are going to be a lot of conflicts along the way on a daily basis. So the question is, are we going to allow our commitment to always rise above our conflicts? That's the question. Now, um, a discussion question that we're going to have for the opening is, when we said we are committed to Jesus Christ, we've given our life, we're born again, I just need two or three people to tell me what we understand from that commitment. That's a commitment. I'm giving my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. From, those, from that statement, two people, please, just help me. What do we understand by that? What are we supposed to do and what are we not supposed to do? Two people, quickly. Anyone? We're all born again Christians. So we, we, okay, go ahead. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember the, first, uh, the day I gave my life to Christ. So the pastor asked me that, what am I doing that, I mean, I knew that, okay, God cannot accept me or cannot. So I told him I, um, I belong to some kind of group in school, kind of. And he said, okay, so you have to stop going there. You have to tell them you are not part of them anymore, which is very difficult for me to do. But at the end, I, I quit. I didn't go with them anymore. Okay, so when you give your life to Christ, the things that you're going to say, you're not going to do anymore. We always say, all things pass away, all things become new. Fantastic. So tonight, we're going to look at two stories to start, um, and I'm going to want us to read together. The first one is the story of um, Joseph, you know, uh, with Potiphar's wife. If you can Please put it up, CMM, Genesis 39, verse 1 to 10. We've read this story over and over again, but I just want us to go through it quickly. So let us read together. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by the Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. May the Lord do it also all in Jesus' name. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the house of Egyptian master. So if God is with you, you're going to succeed in everything you do in the mighty name of Jesus. So Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in 
charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. Anywhere that you walk, because Christ is with you, God will continue to bless that place in my name of Jesus. All the household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administration responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what the king of except what kind of food to eat. And Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, young man, just like so many men in GFH. And Potiphar's wives soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me. And she, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? Now, he's saying, my master trusted me, and I'm committed to him. I'm not going to do a wicked thing to him. That's the first part. It will be a great sin. Second part, to who? To God, who, to whom he owes his commitment. She kept the pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused because he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as, he, as possible. Now, the Bible says that flee from every appearance, every appearances of evil. I mean, that's a replica of that particular uh, passage. So we understand that Joseph was conflicted. He had a conflict, something that was going against his belief, against his commitment. He's committed to God, and that is why he didn't want to sin against God. But he had a conflict, so he had a choice. The choice he had was to do the evil or to stay in the path of righteousness, irrespective of whatever is going to cause him. That's the first part of the story. Can we, Simon, please, can we go to the second part of the story? Now, this man I want to talk about, and I don't know him from anywhere. Two years ago, in 2014, I was um, reading some Harvard Business Review, and um, I came across his story. He, he wrote a story about marginal cost. In, in, in economics, they say marginal cost. What it simply means is that the additional cost it costs you, apart from, once you have a sunk cost, if you build a factory, for example, the additional cost for you to produce the good is called marginal cost. So he was talking about marginal scene and all that. And I really enjoyed it two years ago, 2014. And I'll, I'll share a story with you. It's a true, it's true life story. This man is an American, at least to the best of my knowledge, what I read about him, but he studied in the UK. So he was in the university in the United Kingdom. And he was playing... In the, in the basketball team for his university. So he was a committed player to the basketball team. Please, Simon, go, go ahead. Um, true life story of an American, I mentioned that. Please go ahead. And I'm quoting his words now. He said, It was a fantastic experience. I became close to friends with everyone on the team. And we killed ourselves all season, all season and all hard work paid off. Go ahead, please. We made it all to the finals of the big tournament. That means of all the universities in the UK, they got to the final, the basketball team. And he was a member of that team. But then, I, I, I learned that the championship game was scheduled to be played on a Sunday. Now, let, let me give a caveat here. In GFH, we're extremely flexible. There's nothing wrong in playing sports on Sunday, provided you're not playing sports when you're supposed to be in church. If you can play sports from when you finish church before um, house fellowship, 
fantastic. And if you can play sports after our fellowship, there's nothing wrong with that. So don't take that as saying, we're saying you should not play sports on Sunday. I play soccer 8 p.m. on Sunday night. Almost, I mean, every now and then. But then I learned the championship was on Sunday. Please go ahead. This time I didn't find out and I explained and I explained my situation. No. Please go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. Okay. Go ahead. This was a this was a problem. At the age of 16, I had made a personal commitment to God. He made a vow when he was 16 years old that I will never play ball on a Sunday. That is personal commitment. There's nothing wrong. You know, I said that before in playing in playing sports on Sunday. So I went to the coach and said there was a problem that I can't play on Sunday. Please go ahead, say ma'am. And the, the coach was incredulous. I don't know what you believe. The coach was telling him, I don't know what's your belief and I don't know what you're talking about. He said to me, but I believe that God will understand. We heard that before, right? You know, that, uh, come on, just one time. God, God will understand. Keep going. Every one of the guys on the team came to, my, to me and said, you've got to play. Can't you break this rule just for once, just one time? You made a commitment, yes, yeah, so what? But just one time. God will understand. And it was a difficult decision for him, go ahead, to make. The team will suffer without me. That's what he felt. The guys on the team were my best friends. You know, you know what it means to have friends? You know, to really be committed to your friends? We've been dreaming about this all year. I'm deeply, and he said, I'm a deeply religious man. So, go ahead. I went away to pray about what I should do. I mean, good guy. As I knelt to pray, I got a very clear feeling that I needed to keep my commitment. And that would be extremely challenging. So, I told the coach that I wasn't able to play in the championship game. And it turned out that his team won. They didn't need him. But his team won. Now, he was so conflicted. He was with his friends. He had played all... And you know what it means when you play in finals, right? I mean, you're going to get medals. You're going to get all that. But he made a commitment when he was 16. I'm assuming that at this age, he was probably 20, 22. And he couldn't break his commitment because he made it to God. So these are two different people, generations apart, thousands of years apart. Joseph and Professor Clayton. That's what we're talking about today. On a daily basis, as individuals, in our Christian lives, we're going to go into the world and we're going to be conflicted. We're going to have to make a choice between good and bad, between integrity and deceit, between truth and lies. We're going to be conflicted. But the ultimate choice as a free human being, but we are fully dependent on Holy Spirit, is going to be dependent on us. And we're going to have to make that choice on a daily basis. We're going to make a choice that when we drive on the street, we're not going to go one way. That's a choice that we're going to have to make. Sorry, I have to look at this thing. Okay. So, our questions, and we need to make this quickly. Time is really going. What is common to these two illustrations that we read? These two people. What is common to the two of them? Quickly, anybody? Anybody? Okay, there's somebody here. Please. Can you keep your hands up? Uh, commitment. Commitment. The two of them made commitment. Joseph was committed to God. And somebody else said, please. And Clayton made a commitment when he was 16. Go ahead. 
Self-disciplined. Self-disciplined. Because they made a commitment, they had to fulfill it. And I'm so impressed. Especially with Professor, Professor Clayton. You know, in that part of the world, an American living in the UK, I mean, come on. Anybody else? Okay, second question. When the professor, what did the professor lose if he lost anything? Does anybody know? If, he, if you believe he lost something, let me know. What did he lose? Anything? Somebody said nothing. What did he lose? Absolutely nothing. Temporary fame, which will go away. Temporary fame. And that will go away. Now, the, the, the next question I got is, what did the professor Christianity gain? What did he gain? Does anybody want to help? Professor Clayton, what did he gain? By denying his friends opportunity of playing in the finals and keeping his commitment to God that he made when he was 16, what did he gain? Yes, go ahead. Anybody? Please, there are plenty of people here. Okay, go ahead. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm sure he gained the respect of his friends that were telling him not to do it in the first place. Fantastic. Yes, because many times the devil will come and tell you, do it, do it, do it, do it. The minute you do it, oh, why did you do it? You know, so I see his friends really hating him for a moment and afterwards having a conversation and really, really having deep respect for standing by what he believes in. Fantastic. Thank yeah. you. And that's true. That's how we win souls. Because by their fruits, you shall know them. He kept his commitment to God. His friends are going to ask him in the future, this God that you, you, you know, let, let me know about it. Because they think you are drunk, right? But they, they want to they know. They want to find out what's going on. Anybody else, please? Um, I think his relationship with God got deeper. Fantastic. Yes. Good point. He gained the confidence of God. If God is looking for somebody to, help, to send, he, he, he just gained the confidence of God. Sir, okay, go ahead. Um, even though it's not covered in the text, uh, Professor Christensen turned out, has turned out to be the world's leading authority on innovation. He has turned out to be the world's leading authority on innovation. Innovation. Thank you. I didn't and, even know that. And six years ago, I had the privilege of being in a class he taught. He was miraculously healed from, of cancer. Fantastic. The same person. You know, I, I did... Thank you very much, sir. I'm really glad that you're here today. When I read, I read this story about him, I said four years ago, I didn't go back to do any study. I didn't do any study about him, but I was just impressed that a professor now, at that time, wasn't a professor. So he committed to God, and you can see what God did to him. I didn't even know that. Thank you very much, sir. That's a good point. So he had gained the confidence of God. So when he needed God in the future, what happened? God showed up. God showed up. So when we keep our commitment, God always keeps his commitment, irrespective. God showed up. So he didn't lose anything, but he gained something. Now, what did Joseph lose? Anybody? Are you raising up your hand, please? Anybody? What did Joseph lose by refusing to, 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 to sleep with the woman? What did he lose? He lost absolutely nothing. Yeah, he spent a few a little time in jail, but that's nothing. But what did he gain? Does anybody know what he gained? Come again? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, go ahead. 
He gained trust. He gained the confidence of God. Confidence. And most importantly, he gave, somebody there, please. He gained favor. He gained favor. And most importantly, he didn't lose his destiny. I bet you that if he had done that, that was it. That was the end of his destiny. I mean, although I, I mean, I, I can assure you that if he had done if he had, if he had done that, that would have been the head of his the end of his destiny. Sorry, my stuff is gone into abomination, so I have to put my eyes to. So, finally, before we leave this first part that we're in, uh, we're going to make it quickly. Do you have any personal experience on somebody that you know that in the midst of very tough difficulty, he kept his commitments? Personal experience or somebody that you know, that you know that you learned from, that in the midst of a very tough situation, yes, someone there, please, quickly. Thank you. Okay. Some time ago, I was sent by someone to buy books for his school. So when I got to the bookstore, she called me that you need to add some money to this thing. If they are selling it for 10000 say it's 15000 I had to tell her that, no, I can't do that. I will come back with the exact money if you don't want me to buy it that way. I said, okay. I was not doing that. But don't you think God will be angry with you if you do that? And you want to make me to do, that, do the same thing too? She now said, okay. That she said that I'm a Christian. I should buy the exact amount and bring to this school. Praise the Lord. That's going to happen on a daily basis. Somebody else? Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, okay, I think I've shared this before. Um, we, um, my daughter, Tani Tolua, um, when we were in um, Indonesia, a predominantly Muslim nation, 245 million people, and then 92% of them are Muslims. So it's so common for them to do all sorts of things on Sundays, school activities, programs, birthday parties, and things like that. So, and we've always said that um, there's nothing anybody's doing on a Sunday that will make us miss church. So then there was this day she got an invite for a birthday party. And so she came, and it was a very good friend, Maggie. And so she came home, she was sad, saying, oh, it's Maggie's birthday, and um, it's a pity I can't go. So we had another, they had another birthday party later in the afternoon, sometimes during that week. And, okay, so I told her, I said, okay, I would explain to Maggie's mom. Maybe we can go after church. So, but Tanto saw Maggie's mom right there and then at that other event. And she just ran over to Maggie's mom. Maggie's mom, Maggie's mom, why did you put Maggie's birthday on Sunday? My mom, don't you know that we have to be in church? My, my parents always say that we can't miss church for anything. So, eventually, she adjusted the timing. It worked well for us. And we're able to go after church. And we didn't miss much. And it happened again. And we sent an email to that lady. This one was an American, white American. And we said, oh, sorry, Tanto won't be there because we have to be in church. And then she responded saying, oh, she actually forgot that people, did, people still go to church on Sundays. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And that's, that was really true. Um, my son, our son, Ine, was playing soccer for his school as well. And he was a goalkeeper, first choice goalkeeper. But every time they had a Sunday morning game, he wasn't playing, you know. But if they had a Sunday afternoon game, he would play. Saturday, he would play any other way. But Sunday morning, he wasn't playing. 
and they, they knew us for that. Thank God for his grace. So, as a people, this opening section, um, Pastor gave an example, and that's the example I'm going to use, somebody that I know. Somebody was giving a certain amount of money, I think it was in excess of 500000 every month, and the person came back and said, well, you need to tone down your Jesus preaching. He said that over a million times here. Several years back, half a million naira, today is still a lot of money. And for some people, the destiny will have been shot over. But he, he kept his commitment. We need to keep our commitment all the time. Going forward, there are three major ways that I wish we can be committed. Three major ways. Now, the last two are, you know, dependent on the first. But the, the first and the most important is that we must be committed to our God. Joseph was committed to his God. And he made it clear, I will not sin against this God. Professor Clayton was committed to his God. And he said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to play. I made this vow. And when he was in doubt, he went back to check. He didn't make that decision himself. So we must be committed to our God. Um, can we read John 15, verse 10, if you have it on? If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandment and remain in his love. That's a prerequisite. If you are committed to me, and you keep my words, and you keep my commandment, you will remain in my love. So the prerequisite for God's dash is what? For God's love is what? Is what? Please bring it up. The prerequisite for God's love is commitment. That's why the Bible says all things work together for them that, are, that does what? That love God. So, and accord according to his purpose and all that. That's a prerequisite. You know, I would like to let you know today, there's nobody on the surface of the earth, and I mean it, not your wife, not your children, not your spouse, that can be as ever committed to you as God. No one. And man cannot be as committed to God as God is committed to man. That's a given. From the inception when man was created, God was looking for pleasure for man and for man to be in good condition in the Garden of Eden. Man sinned. God made an irreversible, irre I mean, redeemed man totally at a cost because he had to keep his word. The wages of sin is death. But to make sure that man is redeemed, he went I mean, and, and redeem man totally through his son. So no amount, of, no, 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 no amount of commitment that we give to God that can be as much as what he has given to us. So what's bad in giving a little back? Pastor has quoted C.S. Lewis in the past that's when he says, he who has God and has everything has no more than he who has God alone. You know, the difference is this. God does not need us, but he wants us. A true friend is somebody that does not need you, but wants you. Most people want you because they need you. So our commitment to God is not a favor. It's for our own good. Praise the Lord. The other way we can be committed, and by the way, if you know you are not, you are not in the workforce in GFH, the opportunities are open. You can't do too much for God. I would suggest that you need to start thinking about it to join the workforce. 
The other, other commitment is commitment to man. You know, we're supposed to be committed to our fellow Christians. We're supposed to be committed to our, you know, to, I mean, we should fellowship with our fellow Christians. That's what the Bible says. So coming to church is not, it's a, it's, it's a command by God. And before we go into that, one of, the, one of the commitments that we make as human beings is marriage. That's one of the things. And unfortunately, it's really bastardized now. I'll tell the singles in the church, I know things are tough, times are hard, but if you're a man or a girl or a lady and you're dating somebody and the person does not show you commitment, run. You just need to move quickly. The person has to show you commitment always. I'll give you a short story. When I was dating my wife, when she was in UI, um, I said that before. So when she was in UI, um, she had an infection and um, serious infection. Thank God it was detected and could be fatal. You know, it could be life-threatening. It's not something that, um, it's not something that is not treatable. It's just another infection, but it could be fatal. So she was admitted in the University of Ibadan Teaching Hospital, and I was working in Slumberger in Lagos. And I didn't do that to impress anybody, but because I felt this somebody I really love and I really cared about and I was committed to. Monday to Friday, the whole week that she was in the hospital, I would leave Lagos in the evening and come back the following morning. And I was going to Ibadan every day. Now, as I said, I didn't do that because, but I felt that I needed to be there because she, she was extremely sick. And, you know, the, what I heard later was that my father-in-law, because she was young and I, I mean, I just left university, my father-in-law was concerned that, you know, I'm not sure I really want my, my, my daughter to be in this relationship this early. She was probably about 20 or, or 21. And, but because of that single act, which I did just for me, not because I cared about what people think, the man changed his mind. You know, my mother-in-law looked at me and I said, if, so if you are dating somebody and the person is not ready to, now I can tell you that if that happens today, you won't have the physical ability to do it. You can't go to Ibadan back every day. It takes five hours. But you know what you can do? You can get friends in Ibadan. Five friends that can go and see your partner every day. That is commitment. So, um, CMM, can we read the Bible verse that we have? John 13, verse 34 to 35. That's commitment to ourselves as Christians. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone you know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's, that's, that's a, it's, it's, it's a command. It's not, it's not, it's not an option. That's, that's just a command. So go to the um, commitment to love one another is not an option, but mandatory. And that's why in GFH, we have a lot of programs for the less privileged. There's, there's the bridge, you know. I mean, all of us, we try to look, after, to, look, I mean, to look after each other. So it's the commitment to love one another and to be in fellowship with, with one another. And the, the, the other way that we, we can be committed is um, a course. If you're committed to a course, right now, as I said, the, the, the last two is related to the first. Right now, we're committed to a course, PTL, but it's to propagate the kingdom, right? So that's, that's another way to be committed, is to propagate the kingdom. So we're committed to PTL, and indirectly, we're committed to God. So no matter how, how small, God, I mean, thank God for God of over and above. Let's clap to Jesus, because we got what we need. But for you to be a part, 
to be to partake in it. If it's 500 that you have, whatever, made that commitment. Nothing is too small. So we can be committed to a cost. Please, can you pull up the um, the Bible passage, Matthew 15, 14? I'll pull up the first one. You want me to read Mark 16, 15? He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the cost. That's, that's the cost we're committed to as born-again Christian. We need to preach the gospel at all times. Say, ma'am, I'm waiting on you. I'm reading it on myself. Mighty 15, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. So, we're meant to continue to make sure that our life is committed. Our life is committed to God and we continue to preach. I'm talking about course. That's the third thing, the way to be committed. Say amen if you, if you get there. And if you don't, um, let's go to the next um, action. Which talks about our daily actions should win souls for the Lord by rising above every conflict. Our daily actions should win souls for the Lord by rising above every conflict. And that's what somebody said. A sister said the other time that you will gain the confidence of your friends. You will win, the, you will win soul for Christ by being committed to him. Because people will see and say, what's so different? You know, why, why is this guy like this? So that's the cost. So the three things we're supposed to commit to are what? God, man, and cost. Okay? Are we good? All right. I have a question here which I'm just going to go through. When should we evangelize? All the time. Our actions should be evangelism. By the way of our commitment, our actions is evangelism. That's the cost we're committed to. And to whom should we evangelize? Everybody. Even our fellow Christians. Because when we're doing the right thing, we're sending signals. That's why we're the light of the world. We're sending signals. We're telling people that this is, I'm committed to this God, and this is what he brings to the table. Our, our ways of life. Okay? So, why do we have to keep our commitments? Because God said so. God says we must keep our commitment. Matthew 5.37. Please, can we read? But let your yes be yes and your no, no. For what whosoever is more than this is from the evil one. That's a powerful statement. You know, people talk about diplomacy. They don't want to be caught as white and they don't want to be caught as left. The Bible is saying that's the evil one. I'm not saying sometimes you don't have to say everything in your mind, but don't, I mean, you need to keep your commitment. When you say yes to somebody, one of my biggest weakness is committing. I don't like committing to anything. Because once I commit to it, I'm, bind, I mean, I'm in a bind. So it takes me a while to commit. But once I get into it, it's binding. And that's what the Bible says. We need to let our yes be yes. Can we read the second one? Revelation 3.16. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hair nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. God does not, God, 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 God doesn't want people to be in the middle. It's either you're for me or you're against me. He cannot be in the middle. So it's either we're Christians and we're committed to God and we're showing it or we're not. Um, we're going to read one more. Titus 1.16 They claim to know God 
but by their actions, they deny him. They are, they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing any good. May God make us to be fit for doing good. I mean, those are powerful words. I mean, those are extremely powerful words, and it's from the Bible. I didn't manufacture them. So keeping our commitment is a big deal. We need to focus on Christ. When you look at the, when you, when you look at the cross and you see the price that was paid for you to be redeemed, keeping that commitment should not be a problem. That is why we'll go out and people will offer us bribe and we're not going to take it. That is why we're going to drive on the streets and we're not going to take one way. People, we're not going to take one way. You know? That's a common thing. I mean, we, we all pray for Nigeria, but we go on the street and we drive one way. It's absolutely unacceptable as children of God. If Jesus was driving on that street and you faced him on one wheel, how would you feel? Huh? I mean, when, when our kids were very, when they were much younger, maybe between seven and ten, the question we always say is that, what would Jesus do? And then they would say the truth. What would Jesus do? You know, it's good to be married. One of the things I enjoy the most, and, and I'll share this, I'm sure my wife will be laughing. So, if she's doing anything, maybe she's paying for something on our behalf, no matter how small, it could be 2,000 naira, it could be something bigger. She's paying, and I'm refunding, or we're moving money around. And I asked the question, how much did you pay for it? She said, I don't want to say. I said, well, how much did you pay for it? She said, you know I'm a good wife. I said, no, because you are looking at God. She won't be able to lie to say, I paid so much so that she can keep the money. A lot of people do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm always rest assured that, mm, how much did you pay for it? And then she said, you know I'm a good wife. I said, no, you are committed to God. It's not because you're a good wife. <laughs> so I'm always certain that I'll get the change because she's not going to, you know. And that's a good place to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have a life example that I would like to show. I think I jumped one of them. Um, if CMM can bring up my life example one. No, life example one, please. I can see two, but I want to talk about one. I think I missed one. Do you have my life example one? Okay, if you don't, yeah, let, let's, let's look at this life example. So, these two names are true names of people, well, not, not, not the names, the letters. Are, if you put all the letters together, you know, if you are very good, but I've left some of the letters out, are the names of real people. So, I just, I just shuffled it around and left some letters out. So, Mr. Yemoa and Mr. Shoto are very good committed friends, including their families. They all attend the same church. Mr. Yemoa is the principal of a school where Mr. Shoton's son is a student. So, Mr. A and B, you know, one is principal, the other one, the son attends the same school. So, Mr. Shoton has an entitlement in his office, one millionaire, to pay school fees, but that money will only be disbursed directly to the school. Okay? We get it? So, and if he's less than one millionaire, he loses the, 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 the difference. So, the bill from Shoton's son is 800K, but Mr. Shoton requested Mr. Yemoa please, give me a first bill of one million naira, and you refund 200, 200K back to me. And Mr. Yoma is uncomfortable because the situation is threatening their relationship, including their families. You know, this, they go to the same church, all these people. Now, go ahead. What should Mr. Yemua do, and why? Quickly, anybody? Yeah, go ahead. I am answering because I know this happens a lot, even in Lagos, in schools in Nigeria. I've worked in a place where the mother will come or the father will come and say, 
give me another bill, increase it because I need to show my husband he's not around. He will pay it to me. He doesn't pay to the school. Number one, he should reject the offer and lose the children. More will come. Times seven of that number. If times ten for doing the right thing will come. That's what Mr. Yemua should do. Yeah. Take away your kids so I do the right thing. Praise the Lord. He shouldn't agree. He's going to destroy their relationship. He's going to destroy their family. In this case, he did not agree. You know, he didn't agree. Please, let's go to life example two. Okay. Mr. Beta works for a multinational company and signs a code of conduct every year which mandates him and other employees not to take more than $50 as gift. That's the maximum he can take. You know, if the contractor is giving you a gift, it has to be 50 bucks. So, Mr. Boeta lost his father, and during the funeral plans, his friend and Mr. Emogi, who happened to be a contractor, but he's his friend, but he's a contractor of the company, um, offered a gift of $10,000 to Mr. Boeta. You know, they're friends. So, please go ahead. What should Mr. Boeta, Mr. Boeta should accept the gift if yes? Why? And if no, why not? Anybody? You want me to go over it again? Okay. Anybody? Yeah, go ahead. Please, the mic here. Sister Lola, Pastor Lola wants to talk. Praise God. Hallelujah. The answer is no. And no because the company he works for He's committed to obey what, you know, whatever the rules are in the company. And, and, the, and the company says, do not take more than $50 as gift. So taking the $10,000 the $10, is actually disobedience. Praise the Lord. He signed a commitment. So if you're taking it, you're going outside that commitment. And you're lying. You have contravened the law. That's what it means. True life story. In this case, Mr. Boeta didn't take it. It happened to be somebody I knew. So, we've talked about why do we have to keep our commitment, and that's uh, where we did the life example too. So, not keeping commitment or lack of integrity is what? It's evil. That's what the Bible says. Against um, feeling the line. Not keeping commitment or lack of integrity is evil. Do we get it? Okay. So, Another reason why we have to keep our commitment, we are created in the image of God, in the image of God. God always keeps his commitment. Joshua 22:45. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. God always showed up. God always showed up. He keeps his part of the commitment. So if we are built in the image of God, then what should we do? Keep our commitments. I know it's tough, but let our yes be yes. Once we sign a commitment, we need to keep it. Another reason why um, we have to keep our commitment, this one we're going to have to read a bit. God rewards commitments. God rewards commitments. Thank God for Mr. Ekpoki letting us know that God rewarded Professor Clayton much later in life. God rewards commitment. So here, here is what we're going to read. Um, and 
please take note as we read it. Romans 4.22. And because of Abraham's faith, God committed him, counted him as a righteous, as, as a righteous person. Because he kept his faith. He kept his commitment to obey God, you know, and to wait on God. God counted as righteousness. If you go to Genesis, the same thing. Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. But this is what we're going to read. Job uh, 1, 2 to 3. And I need somebody to help me to, so please, let's take note what we're going to read. He had seven sons and three daughters. How many sons and, th and daughters? Seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 yokes of donkeys. Please keep going. And had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man in the East, and all that. And we know the story of, Joseph, of Job. I'm not going to go through it. We're all Bible scholars, right? We know the story, right? His wife told him to cause God and die. Is that correct? But he kept his commitment. And he kept his faith. The Bible says the latter glory will be better than the former. Right? That's what the Bible says. So let's go to um, Job um, 42, verse 12. Job 42, verse 12. The Lord blessed the last part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep. How many did he have at first? Seven. He had 6,000 camels. How many did he have at first? Okay. He had 1,000 yoke of oxen. How many did he have at first? Okay, please keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, you don't have it? Okay, I do if you don't have it. Okay. So, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also, ha he also has how many sons? Seven sons. How many sons did he have at the, at the first? Seven. And then he has three daughters. How many daughters did he have at first? Okay, so if you have, if you have, um, that's ten children, right? If you have ten children and you have one millionaire, and then you have ten children and you have two millionaire, what's happening? That is blessing. So his latter part was more blessed than his former part. He had the same number of children, but he had the double the, the, the blessings. That's the glory of the latter rain. And that is the result of a commitment. The result of a committed man. A man that was committed to the end. God rewards commitments. Praise the Lord. So that's why we have to keep our commitment because God rewards commitment. So the level of our commitment to God is a demonstration of our faith. The level of our commitment to God is a demonstration of our faith that we believe in him. And that's what Joseph did. The level of our commitment to God is a demonstration of our faith. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another story. I didn't put that on this. Um, I didn't put, it's my life example three, but I didn't put it on the slide. But it's very easy. A very good friend of mine um, had little, little amount of money in, the, in his account in the United States. And he decided that instead of the money sitting down, he was going to buy a house. And he bought a house. And he wanted to rent out the house. Now, in the United States, when you have a house, you have to pay 
what they call property tax in some states, Texas actually. Some states don't, but in Texas, you pay property tax, you pay some bills. So when he rented the house, when he bought the house, his intention was to quickly rent out the house. And the first month, so what, the people he bought the house from were living in the house. So they, so they rented the house for the first two months for them to move out. So when they moved out the third month, now he had to be spending money from Nigeria to pay for the property tax and all that and the bills if he didn't get a tenant. So the first set of tenants that came were a couple, but they, both of them were male. They were men. Right? We know in that about the world. By law, you cannot discriminate against them. So when they told him, and his agent happened to be in Nigeria, and told him that these are the couple, they send the names and all that and the pictures. Oh, he said, he just told them that um, a genuine reason that he needs to renovate the house further. And he started working on the house, that the house won't be available. Two weeks later, a man and a woman came and they rented the house. So what did he do? In the face of adversity, he did not want to offend his faith. Because if you rent your house to two people, or two men, or two women, as husband and wife, that's the demonic spirit that follow them. They're going to break into your house. Sometimes in the future, you're going to live in that house. And when things begin to go wrong, you're not going to know. In fact, you might not remember. But he kept his commitment, and God rewarded him. The house, within two weeks later, the house was given out. True life story. So we need to keep our commitment at all times. You know, in the face of adversity, especially in Nigeria now, because, well, we are children of God. We're not looking at the economy and all that. But the reality of the matter is that we go out, we see some things. So it becomes a bit more difficult for people to keep their commitment. But as GFA children, we're going to keep our commitment in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So, we're going to the latter part of the discussion. How do we keep our commitment to God? You know, temperature, temperature, um, um, temperature is measured in thermometer, right? Mm-hmm. And pressure is measured in what? Barometer. That's, that's what it is. So, commitment is going to be measured in what? Commitment to meter. You know? <laughs> I didn't put that down here. <laughs> Commitmentometer. So, these are, this following are going to be our commitmentometer. How do we keep our commitments to God? You know, when you really, when you really love somebody and you want to be committed to them, you want to continue to have intimacy, spend time with them. That's number one. You're going to spend a lot of time with them. You're going to be dependent on them, on everything you are doing. You're going to share it with them. And say, can I do this? Oh, honey, I want to do that. When you see couples that are really close, even when, I mean, when we're in school, you know, I know people that were dating girls and they'll be asking them, um, should I do this course? Should I do that course? I mean, I'm not saying that's right. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> but you could see, you know, a guy asking a girl, oh, should I do this course? Should I? But that's, that's the reality. If we really want to be close to God and keep our commitment, we need to have intimacy, and dependence. There's no other way around it. How do we have intimacy and dependence? We need to continue to study the word of God. The Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
The Bible is extremely clear. There's no other way around it. Every day you read the Bible, any part, there's a new revelation coming in. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The other one is John 15, 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you. Now, this is, this, this is a big deal. So, if you are not committed to God and you are not a Christian, then you can go ahead and do your own thing by yourself. But once you make that commitment, for you to bear fruit, you have to go back to the root, your tree and your vine. And that's Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other choice. There's no other choice. So we have to be in that commitment. Praise the Lord. And so many other, I mean, other scriptures. Philippians 4 to 10. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. You know, if you, you read the book of John, I think it's John chapter 3. John the Baptist did a lot of great work. I'm sure we all know that. Um, he baptized Jesus Christ, did a lot of fantastic stuff. And then people were beginning to ask him that, um, are you the Messiah? I made a comment, I think it was verse 27. He said, no, he's not the Messiah. That nothing is given to a man except it's given to him from the above. Nothing is given to a man not your breath, not your wife, not your children, not your health, not your finances, except is given to you from the above. So why won't you be close to that God? Why won't you keep your commitment to that God? All good things come from the above. That's what James says. Praise the Lord. Without Christ, I can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. Without Christ, I can do absolutely nothing. So, I have to keep my commitment so that I can be in Christ. And I can do all things. So, I got a question here. What keeps us from having an increasing intimacy with God? I would like us to discuss this for a few minutes because we're, we're close to the end. So, we have enough time. What keeps us from having an increasing intimacy? having an increasing relationship with God. What is it? Few, please, anybody want, to, anybody want to take it? Anyone? Pastor says that you are as close as to God as you want to be, right? We've heard that before. So what keeps us? We've got to, we've got to talk about this. This is important. Anybody? Yes, please. My sister. When we spend time with God, having fellowship with him, study his word, pray, and listen to him more. After praying, you allow him to talk to you. So it's fellowship, constant fellowship. Constant fellowship. But what keeps us from having that constant fellowship? It's commitment, passion. You know, you no, want that's it to what be... makes us to have it. What keeps us from not having it? That's what I'm getting to. What I understand what you're saying, and we agree with you. Keeps us from not having it. Yes. Dis, I don't know, distractions. Fantastic. Please, a round of applause. That's the word I'm looking for. Everything else is distraction. You want to say something, sir? Yeah, go ahead. Everything else is distraction. Total distraction. Distraction, yes. And then we live in, in, um, in a society where there's so much noise. In Lagos State, you have 
you have a lot of things calling at you from a thousand directions. And if you're not careful, you miss out on, on, on having a personal communion with God. You miss out on having an altar, you know, and then, you know, where you have to meet God on a daily basis. And then it just goes on and on. And you, you, you think you would always come back to pray. You would always come back to study. You always come back to look at the devotional and all that. But then it just, it just goes by. And then the next day is here again. And you have to run out again. And then so there's so much noise. There's so much things calling at us. Uh, I think that's, that's another... Um, um, and if you put all those together, it is distraction. So it's distraction. There's no other word for it. Now, I'm going to say this. I have no issue with people using WhatsApp. Fantastic tool. Some people use it for their work. Great tool. So I'm saying that ahead of time before I say what I'm going to say. I have nothing against WhatsApp. <laughs> okay? But I know that 20 years from now, some people are going to go back to their lives and they're going to say, they're going to begin to curse people that made WhatsApp. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's a fact. A situation where you read about a thousand messages of jokes and all kind of crap every day, and you respond to about 500, what, is, what, is, what other time do you have to do anything else? I mean, if, great for work because it's free. So you can use to contact your, your partners and all that. So fantastic tool. But just like every tool that is good has a disadvantage. So the reason we don't have that intimacy is because of construction, I mean, distractions. And that is what I put on, in my notes. You know, what stops us from having, how do we get rid of the distractions? Does anybody want to go? How do we get rid of the distractions? Go ahead, ma'am. Please, there's a hand here. I think um, one of the ways to get rid of distractions and build like intimacy with God is, um, is to be deliberate about, you know, spending time with God, you know, getting rid of, like putting those things aside, like you said, the WhatsApp, the social, any form of social media, if it's your phone, if it's your remote control, then you need to, I remember saying something pastor once about how I keep sitting down in front of TV and flipping channels and he said to me, remove the battery of the remote and fling Fling it out of the window. You know, you have to be deliberate about it. You know, that way you know that the remote is not near you or whatever it is. If it means taking a walk, you know, to go to, have, to go have a prayer walk or something, then you, have, you just have to be deliberate, basically. Praise the Lord. Fantastic. We need to be deliberate and be disciplined about it. That's it. We need to be deliberate. and The distractions are so many. So many. As I said, I don't have anything against WhatsApp, but I don't check my WhatsApp until 5 or 6 o'clock every day. And once I miss that window, it's going to be the following day. And the reason I'm able to do that is I don't use it for work. I use SMS, phone calls, and emails. Now, for the people that use it for their business, fantastic. But make sure that you devote your time just on the business part. Otherwise... I mean, I've had, I, had, I had one in my estate. In four days, there were a thousand messages. Of course, I just, I just let it go. If it's important, somebody will send it back to me. So it's, we need to get rid of those distractions. What is important? That's the question. Nothing else matters. Our commitment to God is the most important. And the only way we can keep it 
is what we have to pursue. Praise the Lord. And um, so, the second thing I have here is waiting patiently after ASK, ask. I hope you also remember ask, right? Okay, so A is what? Asking in humility, right? We seek with carefulness, is that correct? And then we knock with confidence, okay? So, because what happens is that most of the time, as human beings, we're always in need. And that's one of the things that causes conflict. You know, when there's a need, there's a conflict. Even between husband and wife. When the desires of some, one thing is not met, there's a conflict. So when we need something from God and we're not getting it on time, we might want to try to help God. But that doesn't work. So that's why, that's why I, I... And now this list is not exclusive. It's not, I mean, it's not total. There'll be a lot of things and all that. But that's why I put this one there. So the Bible says in Nazar 40, those that hope in the Lord will remain, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. But when you wait on the Lord, you do what? You find new strength. They will soar like high on wings like eagles. They will run and not go weary. They will walk and not faint. James 5, 7 to 8. You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord is coming. is very near. That's, that's, that's the truth of life. We need to patiently, you know, wait. Wait patiently. There's a joke that I need patience. I need it now, 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 now. God give me patience, but I need it now. You know, you need to give me patience now, 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 now. I mean, we have to have that total dependence. In the, because one of the biggest things that causes conflict is desires and needs. And we all need something at any point in time. But we have to learn to be patient and wait. Uh, when we get home, please, let's read this Abacook. Read the first four or five chapters. That's one of the you know, prophets in the Bible that suffered so much. His nation was being destroyed. I mean, when you read that, the first two chapters, the man was in pain, but he kept at it, just like Joseph did. But he kept at it. He waited patiently because he said, I'm going to wait for this God. And God came through. Not even the way he thought, but God came through. And God always showed, always showed up. One of the things, I mean, we've heard this before. Hold on to his word until you hear his voice. Just from this um, series that we finished before God, God will again. Waiting for God means first activity under command, second readiness for a new command that may come, third, the ability to do nothing until the command is given. Jesus Miracle Worker, 2014. I'm going to encourage you guys to go back and, you know, read some of these messages and listen to some of these past messages. I mean, if you look at that and you, you, you bring it back to the ask that we just did, it's almost telling us same thing in a more enlightened way. I mean, you can see, God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. In Jesus' name. Waiting for God is trusting in God. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort, but renewal of strength. Waiting for God is not the abandonment of effort, but renewal of strength. And waiting for God is trusting in God. 
Let me tell you something. I'm sure we're all Bible scholars. If you go through the Bible, every woman that waited on God for the fruit of womb had a special child. Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. I can count for you over and over again. Every mother that waited. So when you're waiting on God, you're renewing your strength. You're going to get a better thing. That's what it means. So when yours is not coming quickly, know that the best is being reserved for you. It's a given. It's a fact. I've seen it played out in my life. Well, I've had to wait for certain things. But I got the best at the end of the day. Praise the Lord. So we need to admit our problems honestly. Talk to God about them. Wait before him in prayer and meditation on the word. And when he speaks, we need to listen. Obey and believe. And do whatever I tell us to do. I mean, that's, that's, there's no other way around it for us to keep our commitment. So, finally on the, um, how to keep our commitment. Complete obedience without shortcuts. Complete obedience without shortcuts. Abraham's wife tried to help him. Let's read 19.5, Exodus. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my, command, and keep my covenant, then out of nations will be my treasure possessions. All the whole earth is mine. The Bible says in Genesis 6.22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I mean, we know the story of Noah, right? That's amazing. Every time I read that place, God was telling him how to construct the ark, right? How to construct the boat, you know, this dimension, that dimension. And he listened and he did it exactly to the size. Maybe if he didn't, the thing would have sunk. God knows more than us in everything in, at all times. So obeying that instruction should not be a big deal at all. You know? Let's re- I want us to read this one together. Exodus 7, 6 to 7. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Okay? We know that. But what impressed me is the Moses. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they, when they spoke to Pharaoh. Age is not an issue when we're going to obey God. These guys were over 80 and they were still acting in obedience. So, finally, obedience to God's command is true sign of our love for God. Obedience to God's command is true it's two signs of our love for God. And the only way we can know if we are obeying God is by knowing his word. Um, our time is fast spent. I was looking at the clock. All of a sudden, it just ran out. Any question? I'm, I'm, I'm totally out of time by 10 minutes. You have a question, sir? Okay, quick one. Any other question? We're going to take like two and we're going to go because our time is fast spent. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Please, I want to ask, is it good... To, to die in a particular conditions uh, when you have the solutions beside you because of commitment? Um, that's an ambiguous statement. So I need to understand the condition and I, th- I need to understand the situation. 
and the solution that is provided? Uh, I'm asking this question because of true life experience. There was a neighbor that we were living together and he was going to the Jehovah Witness. And he said that, he, 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 that in their church, they commanded them not to drink medicine when they are sick. So one day, the son gets sick, and he refused to give the son medicine. Suddenly, the son died, and suddenly, one, as the time goes on, him himself became sick. Then he knew that he, he would die, and then went and buy medicine and drink and get healed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm sure you've answered the question yourself. So I can't see anywhere in the Bible where the Bible says, I mean, we take most of the medication is from wheats and from roots. Do we know that? Right? We know that, right? So when you eat fruits and you eat um, any, any of the natural thing, you are taking medication indirectly. So you have answered, you have answered the question. I've not seen anywhere it says we should not take medication. Praise the Lord. Anybody else? Okay, go ahead. Somebody gave me the question. She's okay. very shy. So um, she says, where I work, my boss and other senior leadership team members use office resources for personal use, like photocopying. Is this right? Um, I don't think it is, but I'm beginning to do the same. Do I need to have a commitment regarding this and discontinue? Praise the Lord. Okay, so this is where I'm going to answer that question. In my office, they, 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 they tell us that you can use the company resources with reasonable, I mean, to a reasonable limit. That's the, the way they say it, that you can use it maybe 10% of the time for your, they didn't put percentage to a reasonable limit. That's what they say it. So, for example, I printed my, um, my outline today two copies, I printed it from the office. And that's how I brought it. But that's because they told us. But if in your office they've told you that don't use it at all, then you can't use it. Because then you are doing something that is against the rule. And God does not support that. But if they tell you that you can use it, I mean like our emails, I use my, my office email to do transaction. I send email to my wife, I send email to friends, I send email to people in church because I can use it I've been permitted to use it reasonably. So I have that permission from the company. But if the rule is that don't use it at all, then don't use it at all. I'll give you an example. When, when if you're an expat, as in if you're outside Nigeria, you get company credit card. Com company credit card. The rule is that don't use it for your personal expense under no condition. Let me give you an example. If I live in Lagos, when I was living in Jakarta and in Indonesia, if I travel of, out of Jakarta and I go to, let's say, uh, Bali, which is like a worry, and I'm on company business, when I was in, whenever I'm in Bali, I can use the thing to, to buy whatever I want. Like I'm in worry, I buy food and all that. As soon as I get back to my location, I cannot use that same credit card to buy my personal food anymore. That's the rule. So, that individual, please listen. You need to understand what's the rule of your company. If they say, no, don't use it, don't use it. How much is photocopy? 15 naira? Come on, we can do that. Praise the Lord. So in closing, we're going to do this before we, we, we do our commitment. Can you go to the story of two friends, please, finally? The story of two friends. Say amen. This is a true life story. 
I'm going to give a caveat before we go ahead. Jesus Christ died for all of us all. So I'm not saying that we should go and die for one another, you know, one, you know, but Jesus Christ died for all of us all. But as Christians, we need to keep our commitment to one another. Please bring up the story. As we close, I want to show you this story, true life story. True life story of friendship between two customers that are like uh, military men and astronauts. Komarov and Gangrene, Yuri Gangrene. The first woman to reach space, his name is called Gangrene. That's the first woman to go to the space. He's a Russian. The two of them were very close. They socialized together, they hunted together, and they drank together. So obviously they're not Christians, you know, drinking and all that. In 1967, the two of them were assigned to go to the moon again, to go to the space in 1967. Now, Kolarov is the primary pilot. He was meant to go on that capsule. But all of them, including Gangrene, they understand that if they go on that capsule, they will not come back because the capsule was not safe to fly. He told his friends he would probably die, but he didn't want to. If he says he wasn't going, then they will put his back up, which is his best friend. They will, they will, they will dishonor him, but they won't fire him. They won't kill him. They will just take him away from the military. But he said because if he backs out, they're going to kill his friend. I mean, they're not going to kill his friend. They're going to put his friend in the capsule and he's going to go and he's going to die. Keep going. Gagarin would have been his replacement. That's his friend. The, the head of Communist Party, whatever he said he wanted, that's what he gets. Despite the fact that all of them have told him that the thing was not safe to fly, no, somebody will have to go. So, keep going. And that was National Day. They are celebrating 50 years of communism. Keep going. Because of who he was, it was that day he wanted out of get. Keep going, keep going. He and some other technicians, all of them, they checked the capsule and they said he had 203 structural problems. But the man doesn't care. Keep going. The mission Gangri suggested, that's the, the first man to go to the space, that he should abandon the mission. But nobody, nobody, nobody could tell the bigger guy. And then they asked Kularov, they said, why, why, why don't you, you know, reject? He said, if I reject, they will send the backup pilot. And that was my friend. He said, I couldn't do that to my friend. He said, he would die instead of me. Keep going. We've got to take care of him. He didn't want his friend to die. But he knows that if he didn't go, they'll send his friend and his friend would die. Lord short story. Kolarov went on that mission. And on his way back, because the capsule was faulty, the head of the, um, the, 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 what's it called, the mission had to speak to him on the phone on his way down. In fact, you can listen to the voice on the internet. And the man was crying. Keep going. He told him that he was a hero. And his wife, they put his wife online. And the, the couples, they spoke on his descending back to the earth. And he died in that mission. Here is my point. 
as we bow our head and close our eyes, that's a friend, a human friend committing to another human friend and didn't, and, and, and didn't want to refuse a mission. That's the pictures of the two people. Put it up again. Put it up again. Those are the pictures of the two people. The guy that went on the mission is the one on the left. The guy that should have gone is the one on the... No, the, one, the guy that went on the mission is the one on the right. The guy that should have gone on the mission is the one on the left. Please take it off. Please, let's bow our head. This is what I want us to take from here. Our God is much, much more committed to us than these two people were committed to each other. And God gave his only begotten son for our sake. If you are here tonight and you know that you don't have that beneficiary of being part of that redemption, here is an opportunity. Just by show of hands, you are not going to come to the front, you are not going to stand up. If you want to give your life to Christ tonight, and you want to say, I commit to this God that they are talking about, please show by hands. If you want to say that, yes, I've heard all that we said, but I don't know this man. I don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Just by show of hands, a card will be slotted, will slot a card into your hands. There's a hand in front, please. There's one hand in front. Anybody else? Thank you, my sister. God bless you. Anybody else? There's one, there's one hand there. Thank you, my sister. God bless you. Anybody else? Father, we thank you for these ones because they have come to your presence. They have come to acknowledge you. King of kings, they have come to make a commitment. We say from today onward, they will not go back in the name of Jesus. We say forever they have committed to you, their lives will not be the same again in the name of Jesus. The power of redemption, the power of resurrection will begin to work wonders in their life in the name of Jesus. Blessed be to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Finally, Simon, please bring up the uh, commitment. I'm done. Commitment, commitment, please. Bring it up. Commitment. Do you have the commitment? CMM, commitment. Okay, I'm going to read it from my notes. Okay, commitment. I will not deny my faith in the face of adversity. I will prioritize my commitment to God above every conflict that may come my way in Jesus' name. I will not deny my faith in the face of adversity. I will proclaim, I will prioritize my commitment to God above every conflict that may come my way in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.